Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. My special guest tonight is Donna Sproutmetz. Donna is a poet, a psychology professor, and a recent McDowell Fellow. Her career began as a classical flutist. She lived in the, in the Netherlands for 22 years and translates Dutch poetry into English. Her poetry and translations appear in many, many publications. She has written two chapbooks, the title of which are in the bio description and her full-length poetry collection, General Release from the Beginning of the World, available from free verse editions, will be released soon. Donna, am I correct? Soon? Actually, it, it just got released, so it's out there. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's even better. So the book is available now. Welcome, Donna, to the program. Thank you so much, and thank you for your kind introduction. All right. Yes. As you can tell, I'm quite excited. We've been planning this for a while, so once I start off and I'm a little yeah. nervous, you know, <laughs> it's going to be okay. All right. Well, let's begin this poetic journey. Donna, what is poetry? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I was reading an interview with Gabriella Bates this morning, mm-hmm. and she brought something to mind that Louise Gluck once brought to mind. And that is, you know, poetry is what happens in the silences between the words sometimes. And it's, it's an interaction between the poet and the reader and the page for me. All right. And it's a place, poetry is where I go to say the things that are unsayable otherwise. And it's where I go to be honest with myself mm-hmm. and, with, and with whatever is holy, however you want to look at that. All right. The words you just shared are words that I need to ponder for a second. Thank you. <laughs> so it sounds like poetry really touches you deeply Very much so Yeah, in fact it touched me so deeply That I fled from it for years <laughs> I mean I started my career My whole life as a, as a poet Did you now? And then, yeah I did I, I got into California Institute of the Arts As a young girl, as a poet and I okay. crossed the quad, as you used to be able to do, and mm-hmm. um, joined the music school and played flute instead. It was just too hard. It was, hard. It was hard. difficult being able to, 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 to write about what you were feeling? That yeah, you got to really part. hold your feel to the fire. You know, you got to hold your feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. And you have to try at least to be honest. And it was hard. I mean, you know this. Oh, yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. But let me ask this question. Sure. You're in the field of poetry now. Why is poetry important? Oh. 
because, wow, um, why is poetry important? Because we would all die without it. Like, okay. <laughs> I think we would all, all right. die without it. And all right. I, I guess something I said earlier is I think it's the only place for me, the only place, and for people sometimes, people that aren't poets, but that read poetry, mm-hmm. maybe the only place they can go to feel certain feelings and, and hear certain truths and, you know, make of my poetry, for instance, whatever they mm-hmm. need it to be. All right. All right. Yeah. Wow. So, again, you've been published, books, now your book, general Yay. release from the beginning of the world. Let's talk about it. What inspired the book? <laughs> what inspired the book? Oh, man, it went through so many different revisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I just want to say that when, as a poet, you think, I don't count until I have a whole book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, true. yeah, I just, I just started, you know, putting poems together that I believed in. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember two days, two, sorry, two years to the day that it was taken, that it, that it got, finally got picked up. I put the first form of the manuscript together on a retreat with my girlfriend at, at Dorland Artist Colony. Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't look anything like what the book looks like today. All right. All right. Tell me about the title. I mean, I wrestle with the title myself. Like, what does she mean by this title? Ah. I have my own idea. But please share with us. Tell us about the title. General release from the beginning of the world. It's a mouthful. It is the penultimate title of a poem in the book. And mm-hmm. what it is, is it's a legal document. Uh, they don't use them anymore. Okay. But I found it in my mother's junk or effects. <laughs> and um, what it did was it, it absolves whoever, whoever is given this general release from whatever, mostly monetary, you know, from debt and from whatever, from another person, from her husband, mm-hmm. you know generally and from the beginning of the earth so forever it's this beautiful antiquated language that was a legal document Mm -hmm. and it's just you know when you wrestle with the kind of stuff that I wrestled with and I'm sure many people have Mm -hmm. the idea of being released from certain things from the beginning of the world is just so joyous you know yeah I want that I want that I want that so that's wow. how it got the title. Yeah. I really like that, Donna. I really yeah. do. A general release from the beginning of the world. Yep. Don't even include me <laughs> where you started. Right. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't go back. You can't go back and say, Okay, you got this release today, so you're still liable for his debts yesterday. Right. It's from the beginning. From the beginning of the goddamn world, so <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> Tell it like it is, Donna. I like that. I like that. <laughs> now, as you think about this particular book, what are some of the predominant things? What do you write about? The things that I tend to write about are maybe, you know, twofold and then 
a lot of branching off. But I write a lot about um, the whatever you want to call it, you know, God or whatever is holy. In my book, I address it as you, capital Mm Y-O-U. I'm in dialogue all the time with whatever that is, trying to find my way in um, into holiness and into listening. And the other thing that I seem to be able to writing be writing a lot about, and in the, of course I started a new manuscript. I said, okay, we're done writing about death. All done. <laughs> but no, <laughs> apparently not. So I, I tend to write about death a lot, you know, and about about um, loss. All right. So that's sound, well, I was going to say, it sounds like you write about some very thoughtful topics. What was the selection process like? How did you decide which poems to choose? For the- oh, I have such a good story. I love this. I love this question. <laughs> Sorry. I have, I have three good stories. Can I tell them all? I'll tell them fast. Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the first chapbook that I ever wrote, um, Slippery Surfaces, Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie Smith helped help me edit that, and um, I had to Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. No, no, England? Maggie Smith, the poet. Maggie Smith, okay. America, the poet. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Just one uh-huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. <laughs> Donna operates in high places. All right. Okay. <laughs> no, the Maggie Smith from Good Bones from. Uh, yeah, she's she's a wonderful poet, and um, there was a long poem in there, the 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 tram poem that comes back again and again, and she said, you know, you should just break this up, and that and one other poem is all that survived from the chapbook into the larger book. But that's the structure, is that every once in a while, I I come back to the scene of my mother and I on the tram in Amsterdam. And that poem goes through all the tram stops mm-hmm. of the old route of tram four. And mm-hmm. that is, so that was, that's one structuring thing. Um, another structuring thing is at some point, right before I went to McDowell, actually, I just was looking through the book and, you know, I did a finalist for a couple of things, but no bites. And if, I'm sure you've been through this. When I, for me, when I am organizing a book of poetry, mm-hmm. it's every poem I go, do I love this poem? Do I trust this yes. poem? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Agony, 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 agony. And so I knew, because Harry Dade had given me the idea to color code the whole damn book mm-hmm. um, with themes. And in doing that, I realized it was missing the family stuff, the stuff that I couldn't write. And at the same time, I was working with a poet friend of mine, um, Alison Albino, a New York poet friend, who was using family pictures to sort of ekphrastically get around her family stuff. And she said, you should try it. <laughs> I said, I'll try anything by now. Um, I want what she has. So, um, And at the time, my husband and I were finally going through these boxes and boxes of my mother's papers. Mm-hmm. So I started using pictures, but not only pictures, but documents like the general release document 
sort of get at the junk that I hadn't been able to get out. And those poems, I think there's about eight of them. Mm-hmm. Um, right before I went to McDowell, it, it was in like a fever. I thought these poems have to go in. And I went through the book and it was like, ah, don't trust this poem out. None of that agonizing. None of it. It's like, this has to go here. This poem, this is a bad poem. Out you go. <laughs> and it was like a 10-minute job instead of a two-day job. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I sent it off to the next five people. You know, and um, the first person I sent it to took it. Wow. So that's the story. Yeah. Wow. So the thing about a book of poetry is that it takes a village, really. Yes, it does. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Please share with me the titles of five of the poems in the book. Choose five, po- five poems randomly. Just want to know their titles. Choose five poems randomly. Okay, got a yes. book. Changing glasses. Yeah, because you don't really, really don't want me to try this without my reading glasses. Okay. <laughs> Random, you say? Yes. Um... American Psalm, uh, To the Death, Doppler Effect, uh, I Find This in My Mother's Effects, right. and I Need the Long March, which that's not a random choice. That's the first poem in the book. <laughs> all right. All right. The reason I asked that question what role should a title play in a poem? Oh, it should carry its weight. Otherwise, it should go away. You know, Talk to me. Be... Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. So it should not – I'm about to tell you what it should do, which is not what okay. you asked me. That's okay. You asked me what it should do. Well, you know, tell it, me both it, it. What should it not do okay. and what should it do? I I'd like that. It should – I'm not a huge fan of – of poetry titles that come out of the poem itself because you've already said that. Okay. You know, so I think it should add something new to the poem. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only title in this whole book, I think, that takes the title from the document itself is the general release. That actually is in the document that's in the book. But other than that, I really feel like it should add something new. You know, it should it should give you new information that um, that helps you understand the poem. You know, poems right. are not necessary. Usually, aren't long, and so every word you use should have a good reason. Mm-hmm. So, for you, what comes first? Kind of like the chicken or the egg, the poem or the title. Oh, the poem. Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a question about the poem itself. Does the poem lead you where you want to go, or does it lead where it wants to go, the poem when you write it? Oh, those poems are so damn sassy. They go wherever the heck they want. All right. All right. They have absolutely no regard for my feelings. <laughs> okay. 
They have and no poem, regard for your feelings. All right. <laughs> and if a poem goes where I want it to go, mm-hmm. I would put money on the fact that it's probably a crap poem. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So the yep. poem tells you what it wants to be. Often. Often, yeah. What would that and look how- like? What would that look like for a poem? I've never asked this before. What would that look like for a poem to tell you, this is what I want to be? You still, uh, okay, I can, there's yeah. some control that you have. Um, you know, I'm, we're just talking. Let's just talk. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I think it's great. Um, these are great questions. Um, and it makes me think, and I like thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I almost want to say there are two kinds of, of kidnappings. Two okay. kinds of poem kidnappings. Um, one of them is a fast kidnap, and one of them is a slow kidnap. Like that first poem in the book mm-hmm. that I, by the way, didn't want to be the first poem in the book, but I couldn't get around it. All right. There, that poem I actually wrote in a workshop with Tyree Day, and um, who's fantastic. Hello, folks. Tyree Day is wonderful. Um, it, was, it came out pretty much whole. I was like, you said what now? <laughs> and wow. that, that was like not at all what I was expecting or wasn't a place I was thinking I was going to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then mostly it's the, it's the slow kidnap <laughs> that, you know, you think like – there's one of the poems in the book. I think I named the title. I, I find this in my mother's effects. Mm-hmm. And what I, the, it's, it's, it's an acrostic and it's a picture of my father's death certificate. And in the end, so I think I'm going to talk about that, right? Because it was kind of mm-hmm. shocking to find it. It told me something that I didn't actually know all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I spend the entire poem talking about my mother. pretty much. So, Mm -hmm. and that is, and I kept trying to bend it to my will. (laughs) I was like, just not having it. (laughs) And then, and then I thought, actually, I, I, I I think I like this. This poem might be okay. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what happened. Well, I'd like you to share a piece. Okay. I would love to. What would you like me to share? Well, I was thinking either the first poem that you talked about or the poem about your mother's effects. The first poem that I talked about, you mean? Well, the first poem in the book. book. Yes, yes, the first poem in the book, yes. Well, let's maybe start there. Okay. Sure. I need the long march. When I was my grandmother's mother, I knew she would be beautiful in the time of war. So I set to knitting her a whole scheme of swans in flawless V formation, pearl-colored to match her skin, steadfast guides for the long march. I sewed coins and jewelry into the hem of her dress, copal, charms, carnelian, and ash into her long sleeve. And when my fear for her life was bigger than my love 
I released her to the steps and flew above it all, above the war, grasslands, snow fields, past the small horses and the gray wolves. Thank you. Thank you. Donna, is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Letting your guard down. Talk to me. Tell me more. I mean, what's the point? I mean, I have, I would say the majority of my poetry is building Mm -hmm. a wall and that gets tossed because the whole idea is to take the wall down. I mean, that's what good is a poem in which I've built a wall to any reader at all. And what good is it to me? Poetry is not to my mind, a good Mm -hmm. place to try and protect yourself. Okay. If you want to do that, you should go into martial arts. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, I like that. I never heard that one before. <laughs> you should put that on the poster. <laughs> you should put that one on the poster. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right. Now, with this book, are you hoping that it resonates with a broad range of readers, or are you targeting a specific audience? Oh, I mean, what poet doesn't hope that it'll resonate with a broad range of readers? Mm-hmm. Show me a poet who doesn't hope that. <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to read this book? Um, the Jewish Book Awards. <laughs> um, okay. All right. <laughs> um, gosh. I mean, you write the book. Yes. I'm no good at targeting. It's just you end out writing what you write, and then you hope mm-hmm. people see something in it. Okay. So I hope lots of people read it. You know, my po- all my poet friends, I hope all my poet friends read it. And, and, and I hope, you know, a lot of, I mean, people from different faith communities, that would make mm-hmm. me happy. All right. Well, let's say that we're, it outside of a Barnes and Nobles. There are a thousand people in line, and they're all waiting <laughs> <laughs> to buy your book. All right. <laughs> we dream big around here, darling. We dream big around here. <laughs> this is what I want to know. Okay. What piece of advice would you give your readers before they read the book? I would say mm-hmm. it's a sensuous thing. It's a sensuous being, this book. So if you like whiskey, pour yourself a nice stiff one. If you prefer hot chocolate, also good. <laughs> you know, sit, sit, sit down with that. And, um, and don't feel like you have to read from cover to cover. Just, you know, float around in there in any way. Any way that you float around in my book will, will be an incredible honor to me. Oh, wow. Very nice. Very nice. Please hear another piece. Um, do you have one that you want to hear? I, I'd like to hear the one about your mother. I think you have a number of those, I believe. So whatever you Yeah, there are lots about my mother. <laughs> yes. Please, um, please read a poem about your mother, whichever one you choose. Okay. Um. Okay, help me here, because the one that comes to mind 
Mm-hmm. It's an ekphrast. It's an ekphrastic poem, but that that people can't see the picture. So maybe I should right. choose something different. If they purchase the book, they can see the picture. Yeah, the picture's in the book. Right. <laughs> yeah, those those last eight poems that I shoved in there, I'll have pictures. Okay. So shall I find one without a picture? All right. Yes. All right. You know, I'm just... No, that's almost all. Here's what I'm... I'm going to read one of the ephrastics because those are the ones that are most specifically about my mother. All right, then. And I'm going to read this one when I find this in my mother's, my, my mother's effects. Yes. Because I've already one. explained to you. Yeah. I'm going to read mm-hmm. that. But because what you see is a death certificate. So it's not like something weird, except mm-hmm. that when you read the death certificate, it shows that my father um, died by his own hand. So here we go. All right? Yes. I find this in my mother's effects. Strange word, effects, meaning goods, possessions, personal property, usually used to indicate what a dead person has left behind, as if they had carefully sorted through their things before they died, choosing what to take with them and what to leave behind. Imagine that. I'll leave her the death certificate. She'll enjoy that. My mother's effects could also mean the mental or emotional impressions she left behind. I could have found this death certificate 17 years ago, but instead of pouring over it all, I packed up the cabinets and boxes of paperwork she had so meticulously labeled and filed. Labels like important to pass, or do not keep. It was wildly disorganized, like her mind in those last years. I stored the boxes. I left them closed and taped. I lacked the strength. One might ask, if this is the death certificate of my father, clearly telling me finally how he really died, why am I speaking of my mother? Fair question. Thank you. Wow. What did writing a poem like that do to you? Or Killed for me. you? Tell me it more. Made me, su- made me super dead. Um, well, it was. this is one of the most unruly poems. It just wasn't, I didn't want to talk about my mom. I wanted to yes. talk about my dad's death, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't having it. That made me cry. Yeah. I can understand. So in general, does it hurt you to write poems, write poetry? Why or why not? Um, I think for every poem, for the most of my poems, some of them are silly, but for Mm -hmm. most of my poems, there's a moment where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
So with that hurt, writing the poem is cathartic. It takes the hurt away in a sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would say that it disentangles it so that I know what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. There's this wonderful um, book of Torah commentary. Torah is the Jewish, the Old Testament. Yes. And one of the big Torah scholars was, his name was Rashi. And somebody wrote this whole book of commentary on the commentary called What's Bothering Rashi? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so when I get a poem right, I figure out what's bothering me. Okay. All right. All right. You know, they say that to see the world clearly, one should be a poet, a musician, an artist. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What comes from you, Donna? I'm not sure I understand the question. When you write... Yeah. What comes out of you? What does the world oh. see? The stuff I've been trying to hide most of my life. Okay. Okay. So and when also, they see that, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. But also, you know, just the longing. The longing for whatever's holy and. Mm-hmm. To understand, to understand, yeah, that. Does that answer your question? It does. And I'm sure I phrased my question wrong when I asked it originally. I left out no, some no, of the no. words, so <laughs> it would have been difficult for you to def- to answer it anyway. So I'm glad you did what you did. <laughs> but the most important piece of what I asked, though, is what emerges from you. What do you want readers to understand about you when they encounter your work? Oh, um, that's a trick question. I have Mm -hmm. to think about that. Is that what I want? Is that what I write poetry for so that people will understand me? I think I write poetry so that I'll understand me. And that I hope what other people get out of it is some understanding of their own world. All or right. something new to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that after the break. So let's keep pondering that, all right? We'll be right back. Okay. Relatively quick. (laughs) Relatively quick. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with the amazing Donna Sprout Mitz. And we were talking about what do what emerges from your work, what do you want 
readers to encounter from your work. Just talk about that. Let's explore that some more. What are some of your thoughts? I, I want people to be able to, it would make me super happy if people could lift out of my story and mm-hmm. my, my their vehicles for something hopefully larger that they can relate to so that it doesn't get stuck in me. And that's, and that's kind of dangerous. What I've noticed is that people will pick up the book and look at the illustrations because there are eight pictures in the book. It's like, no, the illustrations are not there for that. They're there to pull the poem out, but they're not there to tell you necessarily about my life. But I use my life as a vehicle. And of course, I want, I'm trying to understand me and what, what hurts I've been through and how, how to unravel myself and how to you know, come to God in some way. Yes. And, and um, that's what I'm trying to do. But I hope that for the reader, there's something that's personal for them that they find in there that brings them an emotion or a feeling or an aha moment or something that's not necessarily about me. Okay. All right. Please tell me about an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. Oh, when I was in the sixth, when I was six years old. All right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a wall-eyed kid in corrective shoes and with uh, my father had just died. And my first grade teacher teaching us how to write and making us write little stories. But I liked writing poems. And when she singled mine out and hung it up and I won some kind of prize, it was like, okay, so here's a place that I can be sort of safe. Mm-hmm. and that I can say things mm-hmm. that not everybody's going to understand the way I meant them right. and that's okay with me <laughs> yes yes it's important to to understand and have that level of awareness yeah you know not really so, Mon- yes I'm sorry well, I was yeah. going to say that Moncal Taluk said and maybe a number of people said it as well that poetry is like a canvas you can paint any picture with it. I agree. I agree. Why do you agree? Well, because this is an argument that we have in my household on a daily basis. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> my husband is a visual artist. And mm-hmm. um, so he, he thinks, you know, that images are superior to words. Mm. And I don't agree. But he okay. did, he does make a damn beautiful painting. This the, the cover is his work. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, please share a piece, and we'll when you when you when you're done, <laughs> we'll talk about the cover of the book. All right. Okay. Um, share a piece. Share a piece. Share a piece. Okay, I'm gonna do this one. This is after a psalm. Um. It's after uh, verses 26 through, 20, through 29 
of Psalm 78. And I can talk about that process later if you'd like. All right. First, we become flesh. So fragile, such easy prey, and the wings we covet like sand or ashes spread across the darkened seas. What enters us? What is bounty? What is threat? The answer is wrapped in time, our construct, how we live or die by it, crave the imagined order of it, even though we have forgotten what it entails to be seasonal, to wait for harvest, to be thankful in the season of famine, to be grateful even when we are full. Thank you. What is the purpose of that particular poem? The purpose. Yes. What are you attempting to convey? Um, Okay, so I need to tell you a little bit about this process. Um, I've been studying Psalms for maybe six or seven years every Thursday night. So tonight, after this, I will be studying Psalms with a, a group of six women. I'm one of them, so five other women. And um, we use a project that we, um, that we stole from the, um, one of the, um, not the Carmelite, but another one of the Christian groups um, called Lectio Divina, where you read a line and then you make of it your own and you go through, we do, you know, maybe five lines at a time. So it takes us a while. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you go through those lines and it's another story emerges and it's always related to the psalm. Always related to the psalm. But it becomes something that emerges, like something that's been bothering you. And you never know what it is until it comes out. It's such a magical process. And this one, I can tell you. Um, was in was in um, was written around uh, Sukkot, so one of the Jewish holidays, um, and there's a particular blessing after the meal that we're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not I'm not Orthodox by any stretch of the imagination. I'm Reform, so we hardly ever say it. But it's the only blessing. There is 10,000 zillion food, blessings for food. Mm-hmm. I have like a really thick book of them. <laughs> but there's only <laughs> one that we're commanded to do. And that's the one after the meal. The Birkat Hamazon. And nobody ever does. I mean, it's really hard to remember to do it. Because by that time, you know, you need to move on. Or when is the meal actually over? Shall we have okay. coffee? I'm still drinking a glass of wine. You know, <laughs> never mind. Forget it. <laughs> That's this poem. Okay. <laughs> so when you write a piece, how does it begin for you? With an idea, a form, or an image? Hmm. I must say mostly image. Tell me more. You know, I'll sit down for my writing session and um, think I have nothing to say. Mm -hmm. 
and or I will have taken notes during the day and then I'll just pounce on one of those. But often it's just an image that's come to mind during the day. If you live with me, you would know that I can be really frustrating along those lines. All right. Um, just, you know, stuff comes to mind and mm -hmm. it's like, you know, as my daughter and my husband lovingly say, oh dear, something has tripped over, has tipped over her trash can. And, you know, something comes to mind. All right, all right. Well, you know, speaking of images, the cover of your book is quite striking. And you shared that your husband played a role in that. It's his painting, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. beautiful. Tell it us is about beautiful, it. isn't it? For those um, who can't just, see it, please describe it. So it is, it is a bunch of um, red grapes, and they're hung by a string. So they could be released at any moment from the beginning of the world. <laughs> mm. And... Um, that's often how people used to store their fruit so that it wouldn't rot. And uh, they're just these beautiful red, and, and some of them are light red, and some of them are deep red, and then there's a couple that aren't quite ripe yet. And they just, you know, you want, you want to eat them. <laughs> but they're obviously painted. It's not, you can tell that they're painted. Mm -hmm. David, the man who did the... Um, formatting of the book and the cover um, from Freeverse editions. He said, I, he, he wanted and he did. He enlarged it just a tiny bit so that you almost see the brush strokes. And the other thing I can tell you about this was I was not going to have my husband's art as a cover this time. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, we see who won that battle. <laughs> well, it wasn't even a battle. It was like, it I, wasn't a battle? I don't know. I won the battle, you know, it's just, so I was, I was like, I didn't know. And I'd looked at a, at a bunch of stuff online and then mm -hmm. I was looking at his website again and I thought, oh, but this would really work. Mm -hmm. And so as per usual, he's done three, all three of the book covers that I have. And they're all, they end out, I choose, choose things that belong to other people. So mm -hmm. you have to get their permission. <laughs> <laughs> And then I don't even have to, I don't even get to hang the painting on my wall because it's not mine. <laughs> They've been sold. Right. Wow. You know, Donna, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes? Carl Phillips is the best living poet. Tell me more. Why? There's nothing like him. He... makes I love his syntax and I love mm -hmm. how sure-footed he is in it I love that certain themes come back again and again and that he's not afraid he, there's a recent podcast from him and he said some people have said to my publisher don't let him write the same book again <laughs> he should be writing something entirely different said, why should I do that <laughs> And he, I mean, he, his poetry grows and changes all the time, but it, his, his subject matter, the concern of his work sort of stays steady. I mean, it grows too, but it's not like, okay, now I'm going to write a whole new book, like mm -hmm. Tracy K. Smith, you know, fantastic yes. poet, you know, Life on Mars, and then her next book, completely different. Mm -hmm. Carl Phillips doesn't do that, and I really admire that. Carl Phillips, so 
as you see in the book, when I talk about whatever is holy or however you want to talk about it, I use capital mm-hmm. Y-O-U. Right. Because I'm addressing that. I'm trying to have a conversation. And in every workshop I've ever been, somebody brings that up. Oh, yeah, 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 you're really going to do that. And I was in a workshop with Carl, and he just looked at me and said, fight for your syntax. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now, is there anyone else? Sure. Um, I mean, Ilya Kaminsky is amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, But we're talking about somebody whose work I return to again and again. Yes. Uh, Marie Howe. Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria Tang. <laughs> well, I should ask, do you come from a literary background? Um, yes and no. Okay. My mom was a pianist, a jazz pianist. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if you know the West Coast jazz world at all. No, not at all. Okay, well then, never mind. But she she was a <laughs> jazz pianist. All right. And um, at the very end of her life, she started writing poetry, and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, awful. Which was another thing that sort of put me off when I was when I moved to Holland. Um, I started writing again, just because poetry was my only way to live. And it was such a culture shock, you know, and it was, and my mom was getting up there and had started writing this stuff. And it just, I, I, I hope my friend isn't listening who really loves her work, but I don't. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so, you know, you you could argue that I came from a home where poetry was valued and that would be absolutely true. And which reminds me of another poet that I really love and that's E.E. Cummings. Okay. What about E.E. do you love? He's got the whimsy, and at the same time, can make you cry, mm. and writes things that are so surprising, right? Mm. So surprising. Yeah. Mm. Really Please, surprising. Your Please, your poem. Please, your poem. Sure. Um, what shall I share? Oh, you know what I think I'll share? Because you asked me about, you know, what starts a poem. And Mm -hmm. I said, usually it's an image. Yes. And this one started with such an obvious image. And when I read it, you'll you'll know what it is. Okay. Amsterdam, long window. A cocoon, a small blue egg, a chrysalis. What does it mean to owe someone? One night, looking through the dark window of the bedroom, the wind fierce, ten on the Beaufort, true Dutch weather, trees like ships, listing southwest, boughs wilding, no discernible pattern. One breaks under the force, crashes through a windshield across the street. I see myself reflected in the glass of our tall bedroom window cradling my belly, hands new to this language of trying to send comfort under duress, using only touch, 
trying to control my signals to say, any moment, I will see him careen around the corner on his $25 bike. He will come back to us, windswept, boyish, and smiling. I am trying not to say, what will we do if he doesn't? Trying not to say, he is stubborn, I am fearful, and you, my child, I don't know you yet. I don't know what you need. Thank you. Wow. What a perfect piece. Oh, thank you. You know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature, darling. Once it's out Mm. there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing process? I think I'm I'm really still so new to this in a way. Okay. Um, I mean, yes, I got my MFA when I, in 2006, so not that new, but but mm-hmm. I feel I feel I feel like I don't know anything. There are there oh, are yeah. people that edit and edit and edit and edit and edit and continue to edit and love to edit. I do not love to edit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it when I think this works. This thing stands. I'm going on. I'm moving on. But I, uh, so I can't imagine right now ever touching these poems again. But I know, I ain't going to lie, um, for the chapbook, for instance, <laughs> I, just, I, I just pulled that out to look at it, and there are about four pages, and mind you, it's chapbook, so it's short, that have new pages pasted over them because I rewrote the poem. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Right. Currently, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, people edit in different ways, and there are different ways of going about it, so I can understand that. You know, Donna, in my opinion, we live in a very strange world, oh, very strange world. Yeah. Yep. There's so much happening, the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. What I'd like to know from you, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? To help you remember beauty and love and um, truth and whatever is holy to you, and that there's more to this than meets the eye, Mm. and that it's your task go on that path. Well, what if I don't want to go on that path, Donna? <laughs> what happens to I me? Don't think you, I don't think you need much poetry. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> you know, some people believe, and don't ask me the names, that poetry is dying. Do you agree or disagree with this statement, and why? I, I so disagree with that statement because poetry is amazing, and there's so much of it coming out now. It's it's like a, a tsunami. Mm-hmm. So much good mm-hmm. poetry coming out. I mean, look. At, now I'm finally thinking of all the poets that I love that I go back to again and again. I look at <laughs> sure, Adolf, right. 
Ada Limon. I mean, look at Jericho Brown. I mean, look at look at these people. They're amazeballs, and 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 they're just common. They're fast and furious, and new people coming all the time. Um, Gabriella Calvacoresi. Um, what's a new one? Um, Nate uh, McLean just had a new book come out that's really amazing. There's so many books coming out from, and I'm naming all poets that you know, but you know, look yes. at Megan Dunn and, and um, Jessica Quello and um, John Compton and these lesser known poets that are just, that I go back to again and again. Mm-hmm. So there's just, you know, there's a, look at Laura Hogan and, and, um, and Nan Cohen and, uh, okay. They're, they're out there. They're gold, guys. <laughs> So what advice would you give to poets about finding their voice? Oh, that's uh, such a good question, and I'm going to punt. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's this wonderful podcast. Uh, it's called Between the Covers, David Naiman's podcast. And mm-hmm. he did a, he did a um, podcast with Jory Graham, and it was amazing. And what she was talking about was how she gets from one book to the next. And I am in the middle of that process, and let me tell you, it's not comfy. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and she was talking about, and, and she's not like Carl Phillips, so I find a lot of comfort in Carl Phillips. Also, he's he's got a new book out called My Trade is Mystery. And if if any poet wants an, any advice about writing poetry, it's a great book. It's essays. Um. But what Jory Graham said in this podcast was, I have to write myself out of the old music and into the new. Mm. And so if you want to find your voice as a poet, you just have to write (laughs) and keep writing. Right. Right. I like that. Yeah, I loved that. What, What do you think you learned about yourself writing this book? Who are you as a result of this book? Um, more broken and less broken at the same time. Okay. I, I didn't know. The extent of the damage. Mm. That my particular childhood. Gave to me, and you know, which is not to say that there weren't great things. And I hope that there'll be poems one day that talk about those. Okay. Today is not that day. I understand. But, um, but and and I saw a pattern in it, and I saw how that glued me together in not so positive ways. And I think in in writing the book and getting it as right as I could. Mm-hmm. Um unstuck me in many ways. Mm. I believe that. Well, that that brings up one of my usual questions. And the question is, tell me about a poem you were proud of writing, but afraid to share for fear of possible misinterpretation. Oh, about half of the poems in this book. Okay, (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Half of the poems. Yeah, and I mean, I think the scariest ones, to be honest, 
talking about this with somebody, are you know poems about my husband because mm. he's a living being. Yes. And then, and I think some of that is really private. Mm-hmm. So I actually, there's one poem. One poem I once wrote about him that I thought was a good poem. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want him to read it, and I didn't want anybody to read it that knew us. Okay. So I published it in a really obscure journal. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so you're able to release it from your system. Yeah. But I think, I think those – and some of those I do suppress. I just – it's not – it's mm. – mm. You know, yeah. well, I was going to share that we've reached my favorite part of this program, and I view it as being a mini, M-I-N-I, poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you, Donna, to recite, share, read two or three poems back to back, no interruptions from me. You're on the stage. Ooh, I'm unprepared to be on the stage. Um... <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to read these two first. This is fun. All right. This one is called We Are All God's Poems, and it was actually a prompt. A whole bunch of us got this title. And hopefully a book will come out one day where every poem has the same title from all different poets. (laughs) Wow. We are all God's poems. God, your desk is vast. And since you are everywhere, the desk is, in some sense, portable, like the stars. I imagine you hitching up your glorious robes, your living garment, gathering it all up to sit at your desk, cluttered with notes and fragments. You are diligent. You show up to the blank page every day. And today, if you have things like days, well, let's call it today or now, or working from a prompt. It's endearing. All around you, which is everywhere, are scattered tiny sparks of light your rough drafts, waiting for release, longing for each other, and maybe a place at your side, which is everywhere. And that slides right into this next poem, the title of which is, Which is Everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is after Psalm 84. Which is everywhere. Inside your tent, which are everywhere. You are passing out first aid kits, blankets, inhalers, taking on your many forms that we are so slow to recognize. You pulling like a compass, a vortex, a tornado, but so much stillness, and in the eye of it, the sparrow makes her nest, deposits her young as if safe, because everywhere, because nowhere, And now, how fragile your endless silence, the whir of it, which is everywhere, the whir of my prayers. If praise is what you need, come and get it. 
but please leave the bird in peace. Her eggs are roundness, so essential, rolling through my heart's highways, looking for signs on how to use that you have provided. Enough to cross over to you, the fragrant trees. I have so much to learn. The pain you have provided has honed my senses. I'm here now. Maybe we'll go on a, a God roll and we'll do one more. All right, please. Um, this um, is called American Psalm, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, uh, it, it's after Psalm 91, verses 9 through 16. But what I did was I stole from one of my favorite writers, oh, another favorite writer, Wanda Coleman. Okay. Um, and there are a couple of lines in here that are hers. Maybe I'll tell you which are, those are after the fact. And um, Mm -hmm. these are from her American sonnets, those lines. Okay. So American Psalm. It's Friday, our date night. I will show up no matter how busy you are. I will retreat to my white couch, pull my small world in around me. Warm blanket, good friends. I will do my best to be frank. And sometimes I will sense your presence. Okay, admittedly, your presence and my ability to sense you, it's a Venn diagram. Your oil is always slick, your motor always running, my mirror always stained, and us always face to face. Oh, slide and shimmy and danger, it's a trust exercise. Turn around, fall backwards into the flurry of wings, into the mosh pit of trust. The task before me is not to rebel against your protection. I tell myself, don't stumble, don't look down, even though the pebbles along the path are colorful and smooth and tempting. I tell myself, my task is to look you in your true face with my true face and tell you everything that I cannot tell myself. I will aspire to be merciless, and most Friday nights, I will fail. I will blink, look away, flinch. You will give me a whole week to repair myself, time being one of your strangest gifts and fiercest punishments. This will go on for years, your presence flickering in and out of me, a wayward filament. But for now, let's have a drink. I'll pour. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Donna, how has your work evolved or changed as you've aged as a poet? Oh, I'd like to say that it's gotten more honest, I hope. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a little bit more at home in form. Okay. Um, which I, you know, often write a poem and then put it into a form. It's usually not the form first and then break the form. So in the end, it's not the, that form, but I'm more mm-hmm. comfortable messing with it than I used to be. Um, mm-hmm. And it's become just a real part of my life. It's not like I have to, 
remind myself that I've got to go right now. It's like I have to go right or I don't feel good. I just, I don't feel good without it. I mean, I love the sinking into it even when it's impossible and unruly and nothing comes out. Right, all right. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Yeah. All right. What surprises you most about being a poet? That I made it to here. That mm. I finally braved the fire. All right. And sometimes, you know, people don't always understand how hard that is to do. To brave the no. fire. We really don't. No. Wow. Well, we've reached the end of our poetic journey, Donna. Oh, Michael, this has been so wonderful. You're a fantastic interviewer. I guess you well, have a little practice. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you would you favor us with one more before we go, please. Oh, Pretty so please. Kind. <laughs> I, I would love, I love your work I love your work oh thank you thank you so much uh, I think I'm going to read you the oldest poem in the book all right I like that all right let me find it it is in here isn't it Oh, I know it's in here. Not want to show up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Fifty-five. All right. Yes, I found it in because I want to read you a daughter poem. And um, this poem is the oldest poem in the book. This is the oldest one, and it's called "The New Science of Slippery Surfaces." And the title sort of runs into the first line, so I'll read it again. The new science of slippery surfaces is revolutionizing containers. Oil will slide through pipelines. Glue will flow. Bacteria will be unable to find purchase in stents and IV lines. Through my one summer as an incompetent waitress, I watched people trying to slap ketchup out of bottles, then use a knife. Here, In this coffee shop, I wait for you and watch a student at the next table wrestle with the sriracha. And you, my daughter, in your doctor's coat, your wedding ring, sit down across from me. I try not to want too much. Consider all the ways we try to get things out that seem to want to stay in, as if there were a will to it. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Donna, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, I have a, I have every social media no demand. All and, right. <laughs> um, and I have a, an email address, um, dmetz at usc.edu. And I've got a website, donnasmets.com, uh, not hard. And uh, you can contact me through that. Where can people find general release from the beginning of the world? It's on a bookshop. It's on Amazon. It, you can buy it from the bookseller. You can buy it from Fever's Editions. 
Um, I like Bookshop because then if you guys know that one, you can um, choose a bookstore that you want to benefit. Mm. So if you buy through Bookshop and have an account, um, part of your sales goes to the bookstore as if you went to the bookstore to buy it. Oh, wow. Very nice. Yeah. So I really like Bookshop. Bookshop Bookshop.com. Bookshop.com. What's next for you creatively? In other words, where do you go from here? Oh, yeah. Uh, From your mouth to God's ears. Um, (laughs) I'm just, uh, you know, writing things that come to mind. And um, like I I think I said earlier in the interview, I was just, I'm done writing about death. Well, that turned out not to be true. And um, so I just, I'm just writing now, just with not, I don't have, like I really envy some of my writer friends that say, I'm going to write a book of X or now I'm going to write a book about Y. And it's like, I, why? I don't know. I'm going to write poems <laughs> and I'm going to write the poems that come and then we'll see what kind of form that takes. Oh, and the other thing that I'm doing, I should, I want to do a shout out for this. It's one of my favorite, favorite poets. Her name is Flower Conroy. And mm-hmm. we uh, have a collaborative chat book that's free. It's, it's on my website. You just download it. And um, mm-hmm. with Ghost City Press. And we have a full-length uh, a book of poems that we wrote collaboratively that we are now trying to get published. <laughs> so that's another project that is really near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking about the title of your book again. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if this is something that you seek and were you able to find it by releasing the book, this general release? I didn't mean to say it twice, but. I don't know. I mean, the book just came out like January 1st. All right. All right. So, <laughs> um, but it does. I feel like it does. It's shifted something. For sure. Mm. Okay. Okay. I think any poet who will tell you that a book that they've finished, that they've worked so hard on, will shift something. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? I do agree because you're sharing a part of who you are and sometimes all of who you are in these words for people to interpret positively or negatively it's it's a lot. It's a huge. It's a it is a lot. lot. It is a lot. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, but it's a, what a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yes, that's the best way to claim it to claim victory. Well, again, I want to thank you. I wish you nothing but the best. I enjoyed listening to you. I resonated with the words you shared more than you'll ever know. Oh, thank you, Michael, so much. This was a wonderful interview. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Well, all right then, everyone. Donna Sprout Metz. <laughs> That's a name I'll never forget. And I don't want you to forget it either, everyone. Well done. General release <laughs> from the beginning of the world is on the bookshelves now. Order it now. Make it number one. <laughs> Yay! my thanks to all of you for tuning in and as I share with you every time we're together that poetry rings somewhere throughout the land
All right. Take care, Donna. Good night. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.